coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. The charter school systems is a rigged system that rich white people are going to take their kids out where they wanted to put them in private schools. If you can dunk, you can get a place in a high school any place. Excuse me, Bill, I'm sorry. Bill, I'm on a black thing right now. I got a, you know, people say you got a bone to pick with someone. I'm on a black bone right now. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, Even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, Bill? Not one. Come on, Bill, you got to have one, a token black person, a token. And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids. And I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we come to you this morning in the precious name of Jesus Christ. God, we just thank you for all your many blessings. God, thank you for family, life, fellowship. You know, we all have our personal challenges and we put on our public faces, but God continue to help us understand that it's you and you alone who has the author and the finisher of our faith. So we thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for us, for our sins. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen. Amen. Dearly Father, just thank you for a great weekend here. In North Carolina, thank you for my friend uh, Odell, who made a safe trip down to see his mother in Charleston. Uh, and he made it back. Uh, thank you for Valentine's Day, which is today. And uh, may our listeners that are female, happy Valentine's Day. Uh, Lord, um, we, we lift up uh, our guest and his dedication to education. And uh, we ask the blessings on his ministry. Amen. God, I'd like to thank you for the opportunity uh, that has been brought before me to meet these two fine gentlemen and and the workings that are going on uh, across the state, across the nation. Dear God, we, we all do it uh, knowing that you're all power and give us the strength to make it day in and day out. And we can make an impact on the lives of students through ge- different generations. Be with us during this broadcast for these things we ask in your name. Amen. 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 <clears throat> so, Dell, hey, happy Valentine's Day, buddy. Happy Valentine to you too, Bill. I noticed you said just to the young ladies. How about the guys? Is there anything about Valentine's Day for the fellas? What's up, Bill? Oh no, no, no. They they've got to they've got to do the, all the heavy lifting. They better show up with flowers and cards and all that. So it's it's on them. Okay. Well, my wife says she doesn't want any candy, so I have to do the flowers and the cards and all that kind of good stuff, but no candy. Hey, listen, I had a great day yesterday. Traveled back from seeing my mother, uh, tired, took a quick nap, and then I jumped in looking at the Super Bowl. Did you see the game last night? I did, but before we do that, how's your mom doing? 
My mom is, Bill, you know, as any good caregiver, we're going to automatically say everything is fine, even though it's not. We're just saying we're yet holding on. Yet holding on is a term that Black folks use saying that we're still in there. Still so right now we're yet holding on, Bill. So I'll just say that we're just how, still in the fight. How old is your mom? 80 years old. 80 years old. Golly. Yep. Yep. I know. So somebody's getting older. Her and me. That's the way it is. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So you asked me about Super Bowl. Yeah, I watched it. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I'm from Ohio, so I had to go after Cincinnati, even though I wanted Stafford to win because uh, he was in Detroit all those years and gives him a chance to uh, win. So uh, I think uh, Cincinnati will be back. They got a great team. They'll, they'll be back in the Super Bowl so they can get the next one. Well, you know what? I wanted um, the Rams to win. Um, I like Cincinnati. I like their young, cocky, competent quarterback. Um, but at the same time, I just wanted the old guys to win. The older I get, the more I want the old guys to win. <laughs> How about halftime? You know, I know I was real old when halftime came on and I saw Snoop Dogg out there and Dr. Dre and Kendrick Lamar and all these other folks. Um, you know, just people who I remember some of it, but some of the new people, Mary J. Blyde, um, 50 Cent, some of these folks I didn't know. And when you're real old, Bill, you can't hear. So you turn the volume up a little bit. And then I, once I could hear, then I turned it down. It's like, nah, I don't want to hear all that. But at the <laughs> end of the day, I really, really liked it. I enjoyed it and everything. How did you like, how did you like the halftime performance? Well, I didn't recognize one song. <laughs> the, okay. the, the, uh, but I recognized uh, a couple of the artists. Uh, I can't say that I have any of their downloads for my there you go. iPod, but you know, it was entertaining. I, I was viewing it from the standpoint of not necessarily the artistic, but uh -huh. kind of the set and how they were presenting themselves and the choreography and all that, uh, you know, hip hop music. Um, I, I never got into, but it's not that it's bad. I just never got into it. Uh, I'm not a big music person. Anyhow, I, I enjoy it, but it's not like, Oh my gosh, I got to go to this concert. Now, um, but I enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, it was entertaining. Would it, would I consider it the best? No, probably not. But that's just because of my music taste more than anything else. But the thing that I did notice today, and I didn't see it when we were there, is one of the fellows kneeled. You know so who that one was? Fellas, yeah, it's interesting. It was, um, oh, man, come on, Slim Shady. Uh, what's the guy's name? I forgot his name. Uh, the only white guy up there kneeled. So here we are. Um, we're looking at a halftime show and I didn't even know. I saw what he did, but I was looking more at Dr. Dre moving to the piano versus the young man who kneeled. But I, I saw it more like a prayer, not like a kneel. But now this morning, um, the media tells me, hey, he kneeled, he kneeled, he did this, he did that. And it was interesting, Bill, because as a as your black friend, I'm not your only black friend, but as your black friend, what does old white people and old black people, but more old white people say about him kneeling? You know, because what do they say, Bill? And I'm asking, you know, usually you get the question, I'm asking for a friend. No, I'm asking as a friend who love you, who want to know what do yeah. white people say when they saw, because, you know, we've had this kneeling thing with the vice president and the president past years as always was crazy so well help a brother out the uh the guy i just pulled up on the internet the guy's name was e-m-i-n-e-m -E -M. emmy 
And they got M&M. 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 We sound like two old geezers. I you know. Us, you know, people are laughing at us right now. We don't <laughs> even know M&M. We talk about E-M-I-E-M. Come on, Bill. We're better than that to the audience. <laughs> we are better than that. We know who M&M is. Yeah, they, they, there's those colored things that you eat in chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but anyhow, um, they got a picture of him because I was wondering where he kneeled. Uh, you know, I, but he's right behind the guy playing the piano. And uh-huh. uh, and I never even saw him. I looked at the guy playing the piano and thought, man, that's pretty cool. The guy's playing the piano. But my point is, I, it's a form of protest, and I'm totally good with that. I don't have an issue with it. Uh, what I do with Colin Kaepernick is he did it with the national anthem going on. And it, it'd be like disrespecting your mother. It would bother you. So disrespecting the national anthem because of all the people that sacrificed and died over it is kind of a, a, one step beyond. I, I give him, he has a right to protest, but that that kind of turns me off. And I, I think it hurt his cause. It certainly hurt his career. And I think it hurt his cause. Uh, even though he brought notice to it, uh, he might have found a better way to do that. Um, but anyhow, so, that so was you my... Don't have a, okay, so you don't speak for all white people, but right now you're my white friend. So from your perspective... You don't have a problem with the kneeling, Odell. That's not it. My problem was kneeling with the national anthem. So the young man who happened to be white, Eminem last night, Slim Shady, he kneeled during a halftime performance that probably linked it to Colin Kaepernick. So you're saying that white people today, and you don't speak for all white people, are trying are drawing a parallel or they're like, okay, we understand kneeling for against police brutality. We're okay with that. Because they didn't disrespect the flag. They didn't disrespect the national anthem. And it was interesting. The young lady who sung the national anthem is a black country rock star artist, correct? Yeah, I didn't I didn't see that. I, I was, you know, here's what happened. We have two TVs in our house. I was in the kitchen. My daughter and wife were in the living room. <clears throat> and uh, I walked into the living room and I'm watching what they're watching, they're watching commercials and I've got the football game on. I'm trying to figure out what's, uh-huh. how did, are they in the wrong channel? So I, I said, Hey, you guys are on the wrong channel. The game's on. And my wife goes, no, no, we're watching the game. So she came over and checked and I, she, we were on the same channel, which she had done earlier. She had hit record and stopped it. So uh-huh. I was, I was about 10 minutes behind them. <laughs> So I missed the first, almost the first quarter. <laughs> Bill, how long you married, Bill? You more than 10 minutes. I'm married going close to 40. I'm dating my wife now. I've been with my wife for 40 years. Oh, my so, God. So, you know, married, well, we dated for four years, married for 36 years. Something about she didn't want to date me. I mean, marry me in college because I didn't have a thing called a job. I don't know what's wrong with that woman, Bill. Why did I have to have a job? Sounds but like she's got common sense. There, exactly. <laughs> We've been behind our wives for a long time. So to that point, though, the young lady, she did an excellent job on singing. Another young lady did a great job on singing America. You know, it was just beautiful. It was beautiful. I really enjoyed it. And Eminem, with his kneeling, um, everybody's good with that. But those who don't want to be good won't be good. Those who want to be good want to be good. Because, and this brings me to our guest. You know, we have a very outstanding young man who's guest today, and he did something uh, he didn't kneel. He didn't kneel. He didn't kneel. And I don't say it. he did something that really upset a lot of people. And it was interesting because he was the darling, Bill. He was the darling of education in Guilford County. 
And then he did something that people didn't want him to do. Kind of like when I endorsed uh, Mark Walker, people got so upset with me because I didn't do what people wanted me to do. It's something about when you don't do what other people think you should do that gets them so upset. And I'm like, but I don't get upset, Bill, when you don't wear Afro. I don't get upset, Bill, when you don't do what I want you to do. Why do you think people get so upset? You know, everybody's wired different and they look at things differently. And, uh, you know, I did, I, I, I didn't hear anything controversial on it. So I don't know why people get upset. That's a great question. That's a great question. I don't have an answer for that. Well, hey, let's, let me introduce our guest. Our guest is Dr. Misher, and he is the founder and now the president of the next Generation Academy. In the Next Generation Academy, this logo, I love their slogan, the right school can change your child's life forever. You know, as many people know, doctor, I was that kid who they wanted to put in a special ed class back in the early 70s uh, when I was in third grade, wanted to put me in and didn't want to be bothered with Odell. And your reputation, sir, uh, being in the school systems for 20 some odd years, principal at so many different schools, everyone loves you, a great reputation, until you did the unthinkable, until you did the unthinkable. So at this time, I'm going to introduce you to our audience. I think right now we're in like 40, how many states, Bill, and how many countries? Uh, we're in 22 countries and nationwide. Oh, we're, we're nationwide now. So we're yep. big time now. Huh? We finally picked up Hawaii. <laughs> okay. I had to call Boy, I had to call a Boy Scout friend and say, hey, listen to this. <laughs> okay, in Hawaii. So we got everything now. So Dr. Mission, please come on in um, with that introduction and tell us about your journey and why did you go against the grain, sir, by starting Next Generation Academy? Okay. Well, thank you all for uh, inviting me to share with the audience my my uh, my journey, and uh, I am uh, I am a retired administrator teacher. Uh, I did retire from the Gifford County Schools after after thirty plus years. I am actually entering or completing my fortieth year in education, uh, and uh, it has been a journey for sure. Now I spent those 30 plus years in the traditional public schools. And after I retired, uh, that was about the time that charter schools were really getting started and they're coming into town here in Greensboro and, and they were growing in notoriety. So I really didn't know much about charter schools myself. Uh, it was almost like the British are coming, the British are coming, we need to do something. And so uh, about these charter schools. So I said, so what is it that's causing so much of an uproar uh, here locally? So I went to a few conferences and, and sat in on a, a few meetings and, and met with some people who had started charter schools. And I said, um, now I sort of understand why there's this, quote, fear of the, the schools uh, from the schools, traditional schools, about the charter schools coming. And so uh, I... Uh, so we, we went down the path of, you know, what would be an ideal charter school and what group of students could benefit the most from charter schools. Now, in reading through the data and reading through uh, um, the, the applications of a number of charter schools, we did realize that uh, there were two things that was missing in a lot of the charter schools that were opening up uh, in here in, in our county. 
and the two things that were missing, one was transportation for our students, second was uh, access to meals. And I just knew that there was a group of students uh, and parents who are really looking for another option uh, in where they could educate their children. And so we, uh, we applied, got turned down, we applied again, got turned down, and on the third time was the charm. And so the, the board, uh, the state board uh, finally acknowledged us and we were awarded our charter and, and our charter was written in particular so we could address transportation, we could address meals, and we could provide an other opportunity for the students to, uh, to have an education other than where um, the zip code said they had to go to school. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, Dr. Mitchell. The British are coming, the British are coming. What I heard was the charter school systems is a rigged system that rich white people are going to take their kids out where they wanted to put them in private schools. They couldn't afford it. So they're going to put them in this charter school. And if that's the case, who needs transportation and who needs lunch? You know, so it's interesting that let me before Bill jumps in here. So your thought was the British are coming, the British are coming. Instead of running and hiding and getting your musket from the British, you went to learn more. You're like, wait a minute, let me go find out about this. Why, why, why did you do that? Well, I think that's what intrigued me. I said, there has to be something about this that, that every, cause even I was a, a principal of a, a, a school in, in, in a, in that zone or in the district and where a lot of the students were leaving and going to the charter schools, And so I think that's what, that's what got me more uh, excited about the opportunity. What, you know, what can we do? What can we go and really make charter schools equal for all students who wanted to come to? Well, wait a minute, so, Dr. Misha. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, but Dr. Misha, do you know you're black? Do you know uh, the charter schools? People say charter schools wasn't designed for black folk. You talking about equal for all and all this kind of stuff, man. Wait a minute now. That's why they got mad at you. I, I don't know people's intentions, but I just know what my desires were. And I stuck through it. Even, even when I was turned down one time, two times, I could have just thrown in the towel because I had spent hours and hours and traveling to and from Raleigh and back and forth and listening. And, you know, but, but I, it was a vision that was given to me and my wife about what we could do to help students who need a different setting for education. So the the, the turn down of the three times was more of a more of a in, incentive for us uh, than it was to will us throw in the towel and go on and, and, and enjoy our retirement. So, so, so did you get the whole thing? Excuse me, Bill. I'm sorry, Bill. I'm on a black thing right now. I, I got a, you know, when people say you got a bone to pick with someone. I'm on a black bone uh, right now. Well, so look at that. Look at. I'm the minority here, so I'm gonna. Okay, hold on. Hold on. You hold on you to you the wishbone. I'm gonna go to this black bone right now. So, Doctor, you here. You are. You and your wife, educators, are very, very respected in the communities, the faith communities, and you running around talking about you got a vision. From who? Who gave you a vision? Them folk tell you, listen, now you're taking money from the public schools to the um, other people. I mean, I know you got beat. If you did, I know, well, let me rephrase that. I know you didn't get invited to some of the Christmas parties. <laughs> no, there was, a, there was sort of a, 
scarlet letter attached to my wife and me, you know, we're, you know, they, they, we're, you know, they are taken from our kids or taking our money. So, you know, we were shunned uh, and uh, you know what we, we, we took it as we're going to still stay focused. And so, uh, but, uh, and we realized, we realized this going in, in particular, you know, you've been in this district for 20 plus years, you have friends and bosses and all this and people in the neighborhood and people in this local community just knew us. But, uh, but on the flip side of that, because we are in the community and have been in the community, we had a lot of people who called and say, hey, I know if uh, the, the, the missions are over, it's going to be a quality program. And so we've been able to attract a number of people who want to come to the program uh, just because uh, of their association with us in the past, or I, I have students here who I taught their grandmother. And so we, it is generational uh, for folks who are, are coming here. And I have dozens and dozens of parents, uh, kids here who I've taught. So it's just, uh, you know, again, I think they, we, focused on the positive and what we felt like we could do for the community. That's why I admire you. That's why I respect you because it's so easy to be browbeaten and be ostracized. And then you just bend under that power because people have a way. I know they tried to do it with me and my wife. Yes, we don't go, we don't get invited to a lot of things anymore because we are independent thinkers and we had a vision from God just like you had a vision and people don't understand it. It's like, wait a minute, you're not supposed to do that. You're black, you're this, you're that, you're white, all this stuff. All right, Bill, let's break the wishbone and make a wish. It's on you, sir. <laughs> no, I've enjoyed the conversation. Doctor, I got a couple of questions. One is sure. uh, because we're nationwide on this podcast, how, how can people in other states, are there charter schools in other states? How do they get past this barrier that you ran up against? I think you just stick to your, stick to your goal, stick to your vision. You know, if, if your vision has to come from somewhere, you know, I, I wasn't smart enough to think of all this and, and, and come around, but, you know, I, I had some experiences, but God gave us the vision. And, and I think if you're, if your heart's in the right place, if you're going into charter schools to make a difference in the lives of kids, then there is nothing that could be said or done to you that that should keep that should tear down your drive. But just stay focused on your vision and what it is is driving you. And, and what was the reason that they started these charter schools? Um, I think the initial reason was it was just uh, to give parents another option. Other than if I live on XYZ Street, third house down to the left, then I have to go to this school zone. The fourth house down to the right goes to another school zone. So I think it was just to give parents an option. And then do they pay extra to go to the charter school? No, the charter schools are free. Okay. At the charter schools, we, we receive funds uh, from local funds and we receive state funds. Now, here is where it gets a little misleading. Uh, they, the locals always say, well, we have to write uh, charter school X a check each month based on enrollment. That is correct. But at the beginning of the year, the local money is all sent to uh, the mon local money that's from uh, Gifford County, uh, all goes to Gifford County schools. And then they have to write checks to all of the students who are in all the various 
charter school. So it's not like they are writing a check from their account. It's a check from money that's given to them. And if the kids don't show up, then they don't get to keep the money. So the, the money follows the students from the, from the local. And from the state, it comes straight to us from the state. It's same thing, the, the money follows the students. But we get about 78 cent on a dollar that the, the LEAs or the local education agency gets. And so with that 78 cent though, we have to buy our building, pay the utilities, we have to buy our buses, we have to pay for gas. You know, we don't get another pot of money that the traditional schools get to help run those. And so we, we, we have to do way and beyond to be able to be even be equal financially if we're gonna try and do what is needed uh, for our schools. And so it, it is a struggle when you started out. We started out and then in our second year, COVID hit. And, and, and then the only thing that drives our money now is enrollment. So in, in our second year, you know, right in March, you know, we send everybody home. And then when we start the, the third year, parents are still reluctant to, uh, to send students to school. So that's where uh, enrollment was down across traditional schools and, and the other schools. Now we enter our fourth year and uh, the enrollment is picking back up, but we really lost about a year and a half of enrollment, uh, which really hurts the school's financial. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I understand. I was doing some reading uh, about you and about the uh, Next Generation Academy. And one of the things that I, I had, it said Next Generation is one of two charter schools slated to open next year in Greensboro. I don't, I don't know what year this was. Uh, the school's emphasis uh, will be on literacy instructions, including reading, writing, speaking. And this has got my attention, listening skills. You know, when I grew up, I, I didn't take a class or anything in listening skills. Uh-huh. You, know, um, you know, my my job was when someone asked me a question, I'd start thinking of how to answer it, but I wouldn't listen to the question very well. And my grades reflected that. So how did you get come up with listening skills? Well, the listening is skills, that's all a part of learning. And I think students have to learn to listen critically. You know, when, whenever teachers are talking, you know, is it in context? And, and so uh, that, is a, that is just a trait that many of our, you know, we, we hear you, but we're not listening to you. And, and that's, that's, that's quite often said. So just, just, just how to critically hear what the individual is saying so that you can uh, translate it into either a writing, writing um, uh, assignment or translate into a whatever uh, the, the task ahead of you may be. Great. We had a fellow on the podcast called Bob Berg. He's written uh, a number of best-selling books related to business. Uh, the Go-Getters series, it's called. And one of them, he talks about listening from the back of your neck. And when he came on the show, I asked him, can you explain that? Because I, I tried that and I can't, doesn't, doesn't work for me. And he goes, no, what it means is listening with your whole being, really listening with your whole being. And, and I started thinking about that and I said, okay, I, now I'm getting it. I'm going to switch a little bit here. Uh, and it's back to your, your school, I see that uh, Steve Wozniak, who was the co-founder of Apple, uh, has gotten involved with your school. Can you explain that? Sure. Um, we knew uh, we were doing some brainstorming as to really what type of school we wanted to be. 
uh, and, and looking futuristically, you know, what, what do we want our kids to be able to do? And so we, we sought out um, Steve Wozniak and his company is called WozEd, uh, which is the K-12 program that he has. So in, 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 in researching, we found out that he has programs, uh, a, a curriculum that is designed for our kids to start out even as early as kindergarten and that it can build on each, uh, each set and uh, of instruction to where that once the students become of age, uh, they really can start uh, having a high tech job. So in talking over the years with our, uh, our school leadership team, we knew that uh, uh, we wanted to prepare our students even for jobs that may not even exist now. And uh, the traditional four-year college is that where you want to go? Well, we want to give you an option, at least if you want to finish our program. And at the end, when you finish our program, uh, you'll have the opportunity to uh, start a job. And so some of the uh, programs or the, uh, the pathways is what they're called. They had 10 pathways. And we are the first school in America to implement all 10 pathways within one sc uh, school year. And some of those um, Pathways include coding, uh, drone, cybersecurity, uh, mobile development, animation, uh, artificial intelligence. So all of our kids will be introduced to all 10 of those pathways. Now it's broken into K2 curriculum, 3, 5, 5, 8, and then 10, 12. And so each of those different three-year segments, they will be able to advance yeah, like say for drones, and now the even the elementary kids are just doing paper airplane type drones. Uh, the ones in the upper grades are are, are really controlling the drones. They have them going up and down, and then starting in the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, they will start building drones. And then in the high school, they will compete with drones. And so, wow. and then at the age of sixteen, they'll be able to apply for their drone license. And so it's just it's just that pathway that we're trying to develop and, and, and provide our kids with an opportunity. And it's amazing. You'll see so many aha moments. The aha moment is when a kid is in another class and a science class or, or a history class and they'll say, oh, we talked about that in Waz Ed because that's what we call it, the Waz Ed class. And they're talking about push or they're talking about velocity or, or talking about propelling. And so it's just amazing that crossover that we're, we're seeing uh, here in our school. Oh, man, that's fantastic. You know, yeah. particularly in, in our area of Greensboro here, you know, we've got Boom, which is the supersonic jet being built here. Uh, yeah. So there'll be jobs for that. And then the uh, Toyota battery plant, which is going to start. I mean, you're, 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 you're helping kids get the skills that they need to step into jobs right out of high school. Absolutely. And that is our goal. We want to, we, that, that really is our goal. And, and we, we want to get them of that mindset. You know, here are some good jobs making good money starting at the age of 18. Mm -hmm. and, and, mm -hmm. and, 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 we're, and I'm not saying we're not against college uh, at all. That, you know, if that's what your desire is, you can still go to college, but at least you will have that skill set. So that once you complete college, you can either drop uh, drop back on the skill set that we provided you, or uh, continue on in another path. We, you know, I have a training company. We it was uh, we train maintenance people how to fix things in factories, hydraulics, pneumatics, PLCs, blueprint reading, all that's troubleshooting. Uh, and the skill gap 
for maintenance people in America is huge. Uh, and the, in part of it is, uh, for a couple of reasons, one kids were encouraged to go to college, which is fine. They weren't encouraged to go to trade schools because they were told that's a dirty job and, uh, which is not the case anymore. And, uh, and then the military used to have a lot of skilled trades that they would bring up and, and they would come out and they would work in, in plants and factories around America. But what's happened is, is all the folks that are maintenance people are aging out. They're retiring. So there's this huge gap. And then you add two, new technology to it, like drones and things and robotics and artificial intelligence. It really becomes an interesting career path. Absolutely. And I, and I think, um, and I really, I really think we're just really playing to the hands of the kids already. I mean, they already I, they already know how to fly a drone. They are this, this technology is so it's 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 more of a learning curve for us than it is for them because it's so natural because they've been doing it since they were born. Hey, and so it, you make me think. I wonder, Odell, can you fly a drone? Man, I can't fly a drone. I can't do anything. <laughs> I'm sitting here, Bill, just fascinated because Dr. Misher, if you ask him. Or I ask them or anybody asks, hey, what zip codes? Hey, what, what are these kids coming from? These are the rich kids in town. Uh, what's going on? What do their parents think? What's the free and reduced lunch? What's the demographics? You know, you're talking about flying a drone. It's like, I'm just, I'm just blown away, Bill. So I'm just going to sit here in my emotions as you ask those questions. Because what's the demographics? What's the free? Because we've the, the demographics, and this is my issue. A lot of times, these are the kids this is the side of town. This is the negative bias, prejudice, and stereotypes that these kids, if you give them a drone, they're going to do drugs with it. Or if you do this or you do that. And Dr. Mishra is like, I'm putting my whole reputation on the line. It reminds me of what I did with welfare reform. I'm putting my reputation on the line saying, I know what zip codes we're recruiting from even though anyone could come, but I know who's coming. I know that sometimes the parents themselves it's not the kids, but sometimes you have to fight the parents because the vision is too big for the parents sometimes, Bill. And see, that's the part people don't understand. Sometimes the vision is just too big for the parents. So Dr. Misha, you got me almost in tears sitting here. I mean, you know, I know it's hard. I know the kids come from homes that may not have the technology, may not have the belief, may not have the faith in education. And when they look around, some of them may see some negative things that Okay, the people in my community may sell drugs and all this kind of stuff. How do you break through all that culture stuff? And also, how do you convince the parents? Because sometimes the parents was my worst stumbling block when I'm trying to do for their kids. Sure. And uh, you mentioned about uh, the free and reduced lunch numbers. As of right now, 100% of our students uh, uh, are eligible for free and reduced lunch. So all of our, we, none of our kids now pay for lunch. And so uh, we, uh, so, so it's, it's not diverse in that end, but it is to the fact that uh, it's just based on, you know, free and reduced lunch, that says a lot. Uh, and, and you're right in terms of the parents, uh, because you know, we have some parents who are in their late twenties. And so the young kids, so you really have to educate them and, 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 and because some of them are still struggling to see, is there any hope? 
And so the, the one parent the other day, she said, um, she lives in the uh, public housing. She said, I want, and we, uh, we have a bus driving class. And she said, I want to do that so that I can help get my daughter up out of here and have a better life for her. And that was just, I mean, during the interview, what do you say? So, uh, so it's just, it's, it's always those challenges that we're having to do and, 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 and embrace our community. And, and, and that's, that's what, that's where our heart is. And that's what we try and do a lot of. As a white guy, uh, charter schools, I, when I, uh, I grew up and went to an all boys Catholic school growing up in Parma, everybody went to Catholic school. There's a Catholic church on every corner, like gas stations. And, uh, so we had a couple bunch of Catholic high schools. Uh, but then when I moved down South, you know, with my kids, uh, we didn't want to send them to public school. We, we want to send them to Caldwell Academy and we helped start Caldwell Academy with a group of families. And, uh, and then the charter school started coming on and, and I don't know where I got this idea. I don't know if someone told me, I don't think I made it up. Uh, so someone might just give me their viewpoint. They said, oh, charter schools are for people that don't want to send their kids to public school because there's too many blacks there. There's too many gangs there. There's too much this there. There's too So they send them to charter school and it's a lot better environment for learning. Uh, from what I'm hearing, that's not the case. The environment that you just described is is not the case. That is correct. But that, I think there still may be that perception of why I would want to send my kid to a charter school. Yeah, when I started doing this, we're on Zoom, folks, so I can see the doctor. And he got this little grin like, yeah, that's probably the, the hidden unspoken message that we have to deal with. And uh, the, the racial uh, bias and all that that goes with it. But my goodness gracious, Odell, I am so glad that you brought the doctor on our show today. You know, I did some research, but I had no idea uh, the extent of great things they're doing at that charter school. Well, you know, it's interesting, Bill, because Dr. Mitchell was so high up the pecking order. Doctor, a lot of schools you were principal of was majority uh, white folks attending those schools, correct? There were some, some I've worked at Weaver Academy, I opened Northern Middle. So I've worked, I've worked a whole Whoa, circuit. whoa, 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 you opened Northern Middle? Yeah, I opened that school. Which yeah, one was, was it? It wasn't Northern Middle. One of them, Bill, uh, I live out there. So my family goes to school. It was one school that they opened up, I think it was Northern Elementary. So this doesn't have anything to do with Dr. Misher. And they wanted to name them, name the school Ron McNair Elementary. Ron McNair, who is the um, A&T graduate, who was an astronaut who got killed when the, which one was it? Challenger, up, the uh, Challenger. Challenger. It was a group of people who protested, we will not send our kids to a school named after a black man. And this was how many years ago? Uh, oh, I forgot. Uh, what? 10 years ago, Dr. Misher? Was it quite 10 years? Let me see. I went there in 2000. Uh, six, I believe. So, and uh, the elementary was about that time, but the naming might have been a little earlier. So, so it's somewhere yeah. in there, maybe. Yeah. So, Bill, the na- the school wasn't named uh, McNair Elementary. Now, the next elementary school that was built a little in another demographic <laughs> was named McNair Elementary. Interesting how that worked. So, so understand this stuff is real, 
And the fact that I didn't know, I'm sitting here, you said, Odell, I'm learning so much. I didn't know as a poor black person from the projects that white folks didn't want to send their kids to public school because they might meet Odell. You know, it's, it's crazy. I didn't even think about it like that. I, I didn't know. I just thought it was more tax dollars, not that they didn't want their kid to be around me. So that's a charter school. So the Caldwell Academies of the World, Bill, that's a private school, correct? Yeah, it's a private Christian school. So they, they, they focus on uh, education related to the religious principles uh, more so than, say, a, a day school. Okay. Got you. And a Greensboro Day School, which we love, Caldwell Academy audience, we love Greensboro Day, we love all the schools, but we, we're making a comparison here. But the Greensboro Day Schools of the world have, and I don't know their stance on how many Black kids or anything, but the basketball team, they seem to have the best Black athletes. From They find a way to get them in there, even though they might not like Odell from the projects, if Odell could dunk a basketball, and Odell can some way be a great athlete, people don't mind my blackness. Is that the case, Bill? Is that what white people think when it comes to athletics? Well, if you can dunk, you can get a place in a high school, any place. The, uh... So if I, could, if I could come in and entertain the real white students, if I could dunk a basketball, run fast, jump high like PF Flyers, and there's not too many black folk, not too many of us over there, then we're okay, correct? Well, you know, it's interesting. I was reading a book called... Uh, Wisdom from a Sharecropper, and uh, it was written by, I think, a two-star general, black two-star general, grew up down in East Carolina, and uh, his, his dad was a sharecropper, and he talks about how hard that was, but his sister was the first one to integrate the high school. First and one, first black one? First black person to go in their high school, and okay. she was given all, in the book, you know, N-word, all that stuff, you know, just until she started playing basketball. When she hmm. started playing basketball, she was the star. And she said during basketball season, she was very well respected. But as soon as basketball season was over, it was back the way it was. And I, and I, that really hit me. That really hit me. And, um, and you, you're right about some of the schools that uh, uh, have star athletes. <laughs> they don't fit the demographic of what the rest of the school is. And in some cases, and this doesn't have anything with Dr. Mitchell. So, Dr. Mitchell, this is me and Bill going off on our rabbits. Yeah, we do we, that. We got a bunny we, we trail. Keep, we, we'll keep you out of, out of the fray, but we'll come back to you. But it's interesting, <laughs> Bill, that when it, you could have some lily white schools, whether they're private or uh, the other one chartered, and all of a sudden you have white families willing to allow black male athletes to stay to live in their house so they can attend the school. Yep. You, you see, so, so it's not just recruiting, which is illegal unless you're private schools and stuff. You couldn't recruit if you're public schools, but it's like, we want the best ball players. Well, here's, we here's an example. Mm -hmm. If you have a white daughter, and this is to the listeners, you have a white daughter, would you allow her to bring a black man, a high school guy over to the house? Well, a high school guy is not a man. He's a boy, a black okay. boy. Go ahead. Okay. And bring him over to the house or even go out with him. And a lot of people would be a little uncomfortable with that. Now, if I switch it and say his name is Michael Jordan, would you change your viewpoint? Great point. Great point. And excellent point. And to be fair to Dr. Mitchell, since this show is not about race, but it is to a certain degree, Dr. Mitchell, we say the things to each other as friends who love each other, 
that a lot of people will be asking and give our audience something to mull over, but we don't want to bring you into that. But what I want to bring you into, Dr. Mishra, is this. What made you think, what made you believe that you can take poor black and brown people, children, fight through their parents' bias, prejudice, and stereotype against themselves? Because sometimes we don't believe in ourselves. Because what got me out of the projects is this, and I could talk about this because I grew up in the projects. And it was rough being in the projects where you hang your clothes out on the line and somebody steal your clothes and you see them wearing your shirt the next day, Bill, and you better not say a word because they'll beat your behind up. So, but my mother, my mother said we could be anything we want to be in life as long as we did three things. Trust in God, get the best education that we could. That's why I ride back and forth, Bill, every other weekend to South Carolina when I'm tired because she did for me what I couldn't do for myself at the time. And now I'm doing for her what she can't do. Everything from the potty to the pens to all the things to do. But the third thing she said, and never look down on someone. So she put that in us. So Dr. Misha, my mama said, Odell, you can be. And that's why I am. Now, what happened if the mother or the parent in the household tells the child, you're not going to be anything. You're going to be no good like your daddy. You're going to be this, this, this. How do you overcome that? Because you need support in the household to make this thing work, sir. And we strive for that. And we, and we, we, we know when the kids leave us at 2.30, 3 o'clock each day, uh, and they come, uh, you know, they're go what, what environment they may go into. And I'm not, I don't want to paint this picture for everybody. It's just, you know, with those, those kids, like, like you were saying, like the Odells and, and the kids that we're trying to reach. But we, what we have to do is provide an environment when we have them between 7.30 and 2.30 each day to where it's a loving, it's caring, and, and where they are the main person in the room. And they're the ones who we need to understand um, that, that, they, that they're going through some various things. So we just try to focus on the kid and deal with them while we have them and, and while they're there in front of us. Yeah, but you jump on the bus. You're the bus driver. How can you be the principal, the founder, the big wig, and you, you know, you're not Superman. So now you drive the bus, you go out there, you all a 501c3, you raise money, and you refuse to sell out to one of those chain, I call it chain store type charter schools where they have charter schools all over the country. They have a blueprint and they just go boom, boom, boom. And where they can't start one, they go in and buy them up. You haven't done any of that. You drive the bus. You drive the bus. How can you be the principal, the chief administrative officer, and you're driving the bus? So answer that. And then how can people donate to your cause? Because a lot of people believe in what you're doing. And then I'm going to ask Bill to close this out. You just have to do what it takes. I've shoveled snow, drove the bus, swept the building, <laughs> cleaned classrooms, painted. You just have to do whatever it takes, you know, and, and so driving a bus, I happen to have a license and yes, I have to drive tomorrow afternoon. And, and so it, those, those are things that I just have to do. And, and it's not about me. Uh, it's about what we got to do for these kids. And, and so that, that's, that's what drives me. And then going out and trying to uh, raise funds for our school, you know, we're looking to expand and, and adding a gym and a number of things. So, yeah, it's just, it's just all in a day's work because we have to stay, I, I personally just have to stay focused on uh, what can we do to make the situation at this school better for our kids. And that's, that's the driving force. If someone want to contact you, how do they contact you to get involved? Is there, do you mind a phone number or email address that you could tell our audience and we'll put it, we'll post it on our website and all this kind of sure. good stuff? 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, our website is uh, www.ngagso.org. That is our website, and that will uh, be the best information. You can contact me directly at Misher, M-I-S-H-E-R-S, at N-G-A-G-S-O dot org. Excuse me, dot com for that, sorry. (laughs) We've just done some switching over there, so I think it'd be dot com. (laughs) Okay, Bill's on you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Thank you, doctor, for being a guest today. It's uh, um, Thank you all for having me. No, it's been wonderful. And we always ask our guests at the end, um, they get the last word, but also how do you find common ground in those areas that uh, you may come up against that uh, there might be some conflict? Um, I just have to stay focused because there's, there has been conflict, there's conflict. And, and so there just is, but uh we, I, I just want to, again, stay focused on our vision. What are we going to do to change the lives of these kids? We're currently sitting at about 340 students, and we started with 127 four years ago. So uh, we must be doing something right. And so we just want to continue to grow and uh, just stay focused. What's, you know, stay, every conversation has to be about the kids. We can't be talking about your wants and your, your, your but just what is it that we can do for the kids? Uh, it's all about the kids. Yeah, it's the right way to do it. I, I do have one other question that popped in my mind while you were thinking, uh, talking. Uh, we hear about a lot of disciplinary issues in our public schools uh, and even some of our private schools. Uh, how does it compare to, say, your school? Okay. Well, discipline, discipline has a lot to do with relationships. And if you have built that relationship with the kids many times, uh, you can de-escalate a discipline problem. Our classes sizes are small. They're about 20 is the max we've had in a class. And we've been able to develop those relationships uh, with the kids. I'm not saying we, we don't have any discipline. No, that would, that would be, a, I'm not trying to uh, say that at all. But what we do, we deal with it. And, and, and we share with the parents. Now, parents, you have chosen to come here to be a part of our school. Now, and we want you here, but we we can't have continuous noncompliance and continuous uh, behavior issues. But uh, I think, but the key is they've chosen to come here. We develop those relationships, and then and it, it, we're just not going to kick you out the very first time you do that. And sometimes that happens, and uh, it has happened. But uh, that's just the main thing, you know, relationships. And, uh, and, and trying to work out a plan so that the kid can be successful. What, why, are, why are they having those discipline problems? With the social emotional learning and all of our kids are going through, a lot of kids uh, come, are coming to school with anger. And so we just have to get to, you know, what, what is the, the root of all of that anger? Got to get to the root cause. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, thank you again for doctor for being on our, our podcast and uh, we're excited to uh, maybe follow up uh, later on next year and, and see how things are going. And uh, folks, I, I'd encourage you, you, you heard the, uh, the website and uh, email address. I'm going to repeat it one more time. NGAGSO.org. Uh, if you want to get involved and help support this cause. And I suspect uh, if you get in touch with them, uh, if you're willing to volunteer, I'm sure they'll find something for you to do. Uh, thank you, doctor, for being on the show. 
you're more than welcome. Bill, you know, Odell, you know, Dr. Mitchell, you know, if we kick them out, then where do they go? Right. If we, if they get kicked out of the public school systems, the charter school systems, they can't get into private school systems because they can't dunk a basketball, where do they go? What system do they go into? And then we ask ourselves the question, why did this kid turn out the way this kid turned out? And we have to look ourselves in the mirror. We have to look ourselves in the mirror. So that's why we ask people to get involved, help Dr. Mesher continue to fight this good fight. And we believe in God for faith and understanding. Bill, I'm good. Okay. This has been a powerful show. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Mesher. Thank you all for having me. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, Executive Producer. Jeremy Powell, Creative Director. Jacob Sutherland, Director. All rights reserved. This podcast is proudly sponsored by... Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 chief financial officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PNL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events. Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulated and best-read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years.